I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, as we make our way through this short yet powerful letter, we will, uh, we're uh, making our way through chapter 4, and I'd like to consider just two verses today, ch- uh, verse 11 and 12, so I'll go ahead and read those verses for you, and let us uh, once again give ear to the reading of God's Word. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it now. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again for your word. We thank you for the truth and the power that it conveys. And we pray that as your word is proclaimed today, that you would pierce our hearts with your truth. We pray that you would grant to us faith to believe all that is promised to us in the gospel, as well as hearts of gratitude for all that Christ has done. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, beloved Lord, perhaps one of the most well-known, if not the most quoted verse in our society today is found in our Lord's Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of that sermon in chapter 7, when our Lord Jesus Christ says, Judge not, that you be not judged. Of course, this verse that's often found on the lips of many Americans today is quoted out of context. When you're attempting to point someone out somebody's flaws, when you're trying to confront them with their sin and get them to repent, they counter with that verse, Judge not, lest you be judged. The idea here is, uh, is, who do you think you are to judge me? And somehow behind this is the assumption that if you, are, if you can go around your entire life never judging anybody, then maybe somehow at the last day you will avoid final judgment. Of course, that is not the meaning of our Lord Jesus Christ, and yet we might rightly ask, what does he mean when he says, judge not? And we see uh, the very same sense of what, what our Lord taught in our passage today when James says something very similar. Who are you to judge your neighbor? And so in our sermon today, we're going to consider two different types of judgment. The righteous judgment, which God's word requires of us, but the other type of judgment, which James forbids. You may recall in the past weeks, we saw that James has just given a very serious rebuke to the church, to those in the church who were double-minded, the spiritual adulteresses who gave themselves over to the lust of the flesh and courted friendship with the world, all the while paying lip service to God. He calls upon them to repent and to humble themselves before God so that they might receive his grace and pardon. Their, their pride, their bitter jealousy and selfish ambition were causing all sorts of fights and quarrels within the church. And of course, those warring, feuding members of the church were using something much more powerful than the sword. In all their fights and quarrels, they were using their tongue. They were using their speech to tear one another down. And so we see in our passage today, James circling back on the need 
for us to bridle our tongues, to control our speech, to speak to one another in a loving manner, but not in a harsh and critical manner. And so you'll notice, first and foremost, that he changes his tone with his audience. Notice how he addresses them once again in verse 11. He calls them brothers. This is a a change from what he said previously, where he called them literally adulteresses in verse 4. And yet he's reminding his readers that once again, they are all part of the family and the household of God. And so they ought to act accordingly. Since we are all one family, we need to get along with one another. So he says, do not speak evil against one another. Literally, do not speak against. This would include all harsh, critical, degrading, insulting, mean-spirited speech, whether it is false or not. The NIV translates this word slander, which I think is a little too narrow in scope. Oftentimes we think of slander in its legal definition that it it is false and malicious speech. But you see, we can speak to one another, we could speak against one another with words that are not necessarily false, and yet they are evil. And so the excuse, well, it's true, is no excuse at all. James says that when we speak evil against somebody, we have formed an opinion about that person, and we are delivering that verdict against that person, and so we have placed ourselves as a judge over that person. There's a lot of things going on in the news today. Perhaps you have forgotten the fact that we have a Supreme Court nomination. And we're going to be reminded of the important constitutional process whereby the president nominates the Supreme Court justice and the Senate advises and confirms the Supreme Court justice. And all of that, of course, is to ensure that only the most well-qualified people make it on the Supreme Court bench. But if we're honest with ourselves, we all have appointed ourselves as judges. We may not have the robes and the gavel, I praise God that I'm not wearing a robe today. <laughs> but we, don't, we feel like we don't need the ro- robe and gavel. We go around as judges, judging one another and feeling like we need to deliver our verdict. That's exactly what's going on when we speak evil against one another. But that's not all. Because James goes on to say that when we speak evil against our brother and when we judge our brother, we are actually speaking evil against the law and judging the law. Now we might ask, how is that the case? There must be something that is unspoken in James's argument for him to be able to jump from one thing to another. But I think the missing thing is supplied in verse 12. When he transitions from speaking evil against speaking evil and judging your brother to what he says in verse 12 when he says, but who are you to judge your neighbor? That reminds us of the law, where the law says in Leviticus chapter 19, love your neighbor as yourselves. You see, by speaking evil against our neighbor, we are clearly not loving our neighbor as ourselves. We are clearly not treating them as we would have them treat us. And thus we are failing to fulfill that royal law of liberty that Christ has given to us. It's even clear all the way back in Leviticus 19, which says, love your neighbor as yourself. Just before that, it says, you shall not go around as a slanderer 
among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Part of loving your neighbor is speaking to them in a loving manner and not a harsh, critical, judgmental way. Our Lord Jesus Christ taught, taught us in Matthew chapter 5, you have, heard it said to those, uh, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Where we see our Lord Jesus Christ warning us that our tongues are powerful and our speech can do tremendous harm and we spiritually murder somebody in our own hearts when we insult them, when we're angry with them. This is, I don't know about you, but this is very convicting to me. Even just driving on the freeway, I'm murdering people with my speech. And our Lord warns us against the sin of hatred and the way it's expressing itself in our tongue. But you see, this is the royal law of liberty that Christ has written on our hearts to love our neighbor as ourselves. And since we have been freed from the law as a covenant of works which demands perfect personal obedience, we are exhorted to so speak and so act as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. This is a judgment with mercy in which God graciously rewards us for the good things we have done in the body, imperfect as they are. But you see, when we don't speak and when we don't act as we ought, we are denying the law of Christ by our deeds. Remember for James, actions speak louder than words. And when we do not bridle our tongues, but give them free reign to lash out at our brothers. We are in effect saying that God does not know what is best, that his heavenly wisdom, which is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial and sincere, is not the best way to go about interacting with our neighbor. But we need to take manners into our own hands and tell it like it is. Well, when you put it that way, James, <laughs> you recognize how, just, how prideful we can be. And God stands in opposition to all such pride and arrogance. And James goes on to warn us that when we, by our actions, exalt ourselves over the law and judge it, we forget our proper role. You may recall our proper role is to be those who humbly receive with meekness the implanted word and that we may be doers of the word and not hearers only. But when we exalt ourselves over the law, we forget, our, we forget that we must be doers and not judges of the law. Unless we forget, James reminds us that there is only one lawgiver and judge, God himself. He's the one who gave us his law, and his law is a reflection of his unchanging nature. And this law that he has delivered is the one by which he will judge the living and the dead at the last day. He is the one who is able to save, and he is the one who is able to destroy. 
So here we're given two options, two different types of judgment that we can face at the last day. Number one is a judgment without mercy to those who have shown no mercy to their fellow man, to those who were harsh and critical of their fellow man, who were judgmental and felt the need to express their verdict time and time again. To those type of people, they receive a judgment without mercy. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ actually meant in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Well, that's one type of judgment. Of course, the other type of judgment is one whereby we are saved. A judgment where mercy triumphs over judgment since the demands of the law and the wrath of God has been satisfied by the work of Christ. So we ought to treat one another as we would have them treat us and not judge them in a harsh or better hypocritical manner. As our Lord Jesus Christ goes on to teach, why do you, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me get the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Or as Paul says in Romans chapter 2, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. You see, as those who have experienced the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, we ought never to engage in harsh or hypocritical judgment. So James concludes his exhortation by asking this question, who are you to judge your neighbor? Since there is only one lawgiver and judge, we lack the authority to judge our neighbor since we are all fellow servants of the Lord especially in areas where God's word has not given clear commands. So, for example, in Romans chapter 14, uh, uh, concerning the, the context of whether it is permissible to eat meat or not, the Apostle Paul says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. You see, those people in Rome who thought, it was, uh, who thought it was evil to eat meat, they refrained from eating meat, and they judged those who did eat meat. And then those who were eating meat judged those who didn't as, as somehow they were weak Christians. They were judging one another. And Paul says, who do you think you are to judge your fellow servant? We all need to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of ourselves. But we don't have authority to judge one another, especially in areas where God is not command. How many times do we say things like, did you see what she was wearing at church? Can you believe that he was smoking? What? You don't get up at 5.30 every morning to read your Bible and pray? And you call yourself a Christian. Sound familiar? 
If that doesn't sound familiar, how about this? What? You don't enjoy single malt scotch? What kind of believer are you? We judge one another. Not by the word of God, but by man-made commands. Standards that we impose upon others, but since each of us have to give an account to God himself, we are not to pass judgment on one another. On another occasion, Paul says he doesn't even judge himself, since ultimately it's only the Lord's verdict that will stand. And so this prohibition against judging our neighbor ought to preserve true Christian liberty. You see, Christ has set us free not only from sin and Satan, but he's also set us free from the doctrines and commandments of men. We confess in the Westminster Confession, God alone is the Lord of the conscience, and he has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men, which are in anything contrary to his word, or beside it, if matters of faith or worship. And so we have been freed from those things, and so let us not impose upon one another unbiblical or extra-biblical commands, but rather let each person stand before the Lord and judge his own conscience. Now, I think at this point we ought to ask, is James saying here that we are never to point out the faults of our brother or confront him with his sin if he has gone astray? Or is he undermining the, the authority structure that he has established in the church with, with elders and ministers who are to keep watch over the souls of those entrusted to their care? Well, certainly not. If that's the case, then James would be the biggest hypocrite on the face of the earth. Just think about his letter, how many times he's pointed out their sins and flaws and told them to repent. Or even the way he, in which he concludes the letter. If you just turn the page, look at the very last two verses of James' letter. He says, My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wondering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So clearly that is not James' point that we ought never to point out the flaws of our brothers or to help somebody who has gone astray. But what he's warning against is first and foremost, hypocritical judgment. As our Lord Jesus Christ says, first take the log out of your own eye before you help your brother with the speck in his eye. We ought to help people with specks in their eyes. Just make sure that we don't have any logs, laws, logs sticking out of our own. And second of all, when we do go confront somebody, our tone must not be harsh or degrading. As Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. It's only with a spirit of meekness and gentleness and humility not harsh or degrading or hypocritical judgment. Well, once again, as we see in conclusion, we are reminded of the power of our tongue. Not only do we elevate ourselves as judges over our neighbor, but we elevate ourselves as judges over God's law when we sin against our brother by speaking against him. 
But God stands opposed to all such pride. He would have us be humble doers of the word, not judges of his law. Well, may God grant to us humility and love for our neighbor, as well as the wisdom which comes from above, which is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere. And may God protect us from the sin of a harsh, judgmental spirit. Amen? Let's give thanks. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you came into the world not to condemn the world, for indeed the world was condemned already. We thank you that you came to save us by offering up your life as a sacrifice for sin. And we thank you that you continue to watch over us by your spirit and that you have written your law on our hearts. But so often, Lord, we confess that we forget who we are in you. We are not hearers and doers of the word, but we have placed ourselves in pride as judges over the word by our own actions. And so, Lord, we pray that you would humble us and forgive us of our many sins and grant to us the wisdom which comes from above so that we might speak the truth in love to one another and so build one another up. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.